Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. So today we're talking about Bloody Mary, which we are very excited about. Yeah. Have you ever played Bloody Mary, Amanda? I want to say in like middle school. I'm pretty sure we all did at like a slumber party. But did you specifically do it or did like everyone go into a room? I feel like there was at least five girls that did it because we did Ouija board. We did that. We did, you know, all all the cliches in one. Did you do light as a feather? Stiff as a board? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever did that one. Maybe I did. And we, for some reason, they used to think that they could hypnotize each other. With like a necklace swinging back and forth. I definitely did that. Not with a necklace, but like laying down and they'd like massage the temples and say weird stuff. You know, I went to a real weird school, okay? A lot of weird kids. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's where I came from. Those are my roots. Cool, 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 cool. Okay. (laughs) So Bloody Mary is what folklorists call a fear test. Did you play it? No. Well, okay. Okay. I was in a group of people who played it, but I did not play it. And you're going to notice a recurring theme with me. You sacrifice your friends? It's just not fucking worth it. Like, sometimes things just aren't worth it. (laughs) We're going to get to what happens if you complete the ritual. But even little Lindsay was like, I'm good. I'm going to pass. No, thank you. You'll just find the bodies after. This isn't the trauma I need in my life. I've already got trauma. Like, no, thank you. I'm good. And just and just as a general note, we've moved our housekeeping stuff to the end of the episode. We have a new merch store with some fun new merch. We'll talk about that at the end. But we're just going to continue on with Bloody Mary. So today we're going to talk about the ritual, the base, and then the upgrades, if you will. <laughs> so the specific elements, right? Then the results. Why mirrors are so special with Bloody Mary. I love this part. Yeah. Yeah. We learned a lot about mirrors. And one particular fact blew my mind. And you'll know when we get there because I'll tell you again. We're also going to talk about different regional variants of Bloody Mary, which I didn't know that there were. Neither did I. I just thought it was one. And then when I was researching, everyone does it differently. Yeah, people do it differently, but some regions have, like, it's not Bloody Mary, it's like someone else altogether, which I thought was interesting. Well, I didn't realize, and we're, we're not going to talk about it in this episode because we had to pare it down in some ways, but Black Aggie is a Baltimore thing. That's why I asked you earlier if you knew about it, because I was like... And I didn't know that it was like a specifically Baltimore thing. And it's actually like Black Aggie has nothing to do with the mirror legend. But some people are like Bloody Mary and Black Aggie. And I was like, those are different. Get your lore right. They hang out. They're friends. They're besties, one might say. But so we're also going to talk about some theories that talk about why people play at all. And then what folks think is happening when people think that they're seeing distorted vision in a mirror. So let's start with a little bit of history in the legend. The first Bloody Mary stories weren't officially published till the 1970s, and they really included the lore about Mary Worth as one of the Bloody Marys, and that was published in 1978 by Janet Longolis. And the Bloody Mary legend that we know originated from around after World War II, but it's not clear when the story, you know, itself really started because it was passed down from person to person. Right, right. And the actual ritual, it varies. There's so many different ways to play it. And it just <laughs> depends on which way I guess you were taught. Yeah, there, there is no rule book with this. No, we should publish one. So how did you guys play Bloody Mary? I believe it was saying her name three times in front of a mirror in a dark room. I don't remember anything else fancy about it. The only other variable that I had was that you had to be by yourself. Yeah, I feel like that was probably a rule, but we were like, nah, she'll still come with seven of us. Yeah, it's a party. Why wouldn't she want to be here? That's fine. Maybe they'll eat my friend first and I can get out. There's so many. So we just took from a bit of all of them just to give you the rules of the majority, I guess, to to touch on each of them. Almost all of them said you had to be in a dark bathroom. And it's just funny that it had to be a bathroom. You know, it couldn't just be a random mirror in your house. It has to be a small room, maybe. So you can't she can't run very fast. So she needs to be able to catch you quick. That is light tight. It is. Right. Kind For the most part, most bathrooms don't have windows. Yeah. I'm thinking it was just something that everyone has in every house where it's guaranteed to be dark. Right. Most houses. You have to be by yourself for the majority of them. 
but some of them didn't have that rule. And saying her name, it varied. I saw from three times to like seven times. I also saw a hundred times. That's crazy. That's too long. Too much. Too much. You lose count. She's asking too much of you. Yeah. You have to have one person there in the room saying it and then another person in the room counting them. Because you're like, what number was I at? (laughs) Tallying them up. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some variants, like I said, and some included flushing the toilet, (laughs) running hot water. Did it say just water? It said hot water. She likes warm water. Well, no, and that'll come into play later because Mm -hmm. there's a a specific thought of like what's going to happen that requires hot water. Yes. Yes. Lighting a candle. I also saw that you had to have one candle on either side of the mirror in some variations. Fair, fair. Sure. She likes her candles. Involving blood. So you either had to prick yourself, someone else had to prick themselves, but you had to have some blood. When someone asks you to prick yourself for a ritual, just say no. When I talked about it in our Ouija board episode so many moons ago, but when we made our own Ouija board when I was a youth, one of the guys was like, I'll just pick my leg and add some blood to it. And I was like, okay, dude. Like he, he he offered it up so no one forced him. But I remember being like, that's a strange thing to just be cool to do. And then you quietly exited the room as they did it, right? No, no. Then we proceeded <laughs> and asked stupid questions. Anywho, <laughs> if you're curious, go go to that episode. So some said not just saying her name, but they had to say, I believe in first. Some say I killed your baby or I stole your baby, which I'd never heard of. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never said that. Also, I feel like as a child, I wasn't a monster. And therefore, I wasn't saying things like, I stole your baby. I killed your baby. Yeah. Like, that would have been a red flag if one of my friends was like, I killed your baby. And I would be like, oh. Well, it's interesting that we're 10. You're saying specific things depending on what Mary they believe is coming. Because, yes, everyone thinks it's a different Mary. And so this plays into one of them so some of them not only ask for you to say the name multiple times but each time you say it something new will happen so if you say it three times this will happen if you say it five times this will happen so on one of them it's not just mary that comes satan comes And uh, there was like a whole, you have to do this, then this. And I believe this one had the candles on either side. But once you said the name three times, then the mirror would turn red. And once you said the name five times, then you'd start to see a face appear. And then by the time you got to seven, I'm pretty sure you'd see Satan. Why? Who can know? And that's my question as we're going to continue through. I'll ask again. Why? I'm not sure. For why? So I said that we had played this before, right? When I was, I think it was like middle school. But I've never thought of this as anything. Yeah. You know, it was just like, why why are you doing this? Like the Ouija board. I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe something could happen. Sure. But this one, I'm just like, this is a waste of time. Let's go. Let's go Ouija board it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when we talk about like why this, it's interesting because Bloody Mary, a lot of people think comes from, you know, the fact that we do some spooky things with mirrors, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and we have a whole little section we're going to chat about mirrors for a moment. But like the idea that mirrors are written about as a way to see different worlds and realms. So the idea of using a mirror for that doesn't seem altogether out there, especially if you're thinking this is the same age where kids are going to start using Ouija boards when they're going to be doing this. So the idea of like trying to be able to talk to the other side doesn't seem odd, but trying to call this particular presence does seem weird to me. No, it does. And I'm not saying that I wasn't fearful of mirrors either because Oh my gosh, yes, I was. I've seen enough scary movies where you see the ghost behind you, all of that. Just for some reason, this uh, ritual didn't resonate with me as much as I shouldn't look at the mirror at night because then I'm going to see something that I can't unsee and then I'll have to live outside. Always in the mirror. You're not wrong. Or that that's one of the tropes in a horror movie that always got me is when they pick up a mirror or even, yeah, it's either right behind them or they walk by or even a video game trope. So in one of the Fatal Frame games, there's one where she looks in the mirror and they walk behind her. I think it's like the third one, but it's it got me. 
I'm making a very scared face at Amanda because whenever you see in a horror movie or even a suspense movie, you see the character go towards a mirror, like my stomach clenches. Like I'm like, like I kind of like I don't breathe because I'm like, oh God, what's going to happen? Or when they turn their head and they don't see the thing. Yes. Yes. And then you do and you know more than they do. Dramatic irony. It's beautiful. It's a lovely tool in movies. I love it. Don't like it. Now, Amanda. Yes. I'm not going to act like I thought that mirrors always existed. I had just never given thought to when they started existing in the world. <laughs> okay. And I certainly thought that they existed before 1830. Oh, yeah. I guess I never really thought about that either. When did they become popular? Yeah. Like, when did they start coming about? Like, before that, people were using reflective surfaces to look at themselves, but none were as crisp as a mirror. So people didn't really have, like, that much of a sense of, like, their active reflection. That fascinates me and i feel like when i watch like period things they have mirrors i'm gonna pay more attention now but i feel like i always see mirrors and that's a lie you see them in the castle right like the fancy mirror yeah 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 like the fancy standing mirror and they're like pulling a corset you know and she's looking in the mirror right like it feels right yeah how else would you know what you look like really truly water yeah but sort of like a blurry weird yeah but you're also you're facing down or paintings that's probably what it was people would paint each other remember what if someone just hates you that would be my painting and they just (laughs) or like what if they're lying what if they're like oh she was a great beauty and like it's not that she wasn't a great beauty it's just that she was rather average but here it is you tell them to draw you in such a way And there's no other photos of you, right? It's just this one painting that gets passed along. And it's like, great, 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 great grandmother was beautiful. Yeah. What a strong selfie game. (laughs) Look, it's stunning. Regal. No one ever has to know. Okay. So keep that in mind that mirrors are, you know, when we're thinking in the scheme of humans, new? Yeah. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. But we're going to move on. Before we were researching this, had you heard of Catroptomancy? Not that name, no. <laughs> Can't say that I have. <laughs> Fair. It's, it's a very fancy word that means divination using a mirror. I have heard of that. Okay, so what is divination? Isn't it like seeing the future using something or asking someone on the other side of the veil? Yeah, yeah, that is that is what it is. So... When you're using a mirror to try to get information, this is a form of scrying, which I didn't know, but I thought was very interesting. And I also didn't know what scrying was. And so scrying, it comes from an old English word, which is describe, which means to make out dimly or reveal. So it's like you don't get a full picture. You get something you're going to interpret. And in scrying occurs throughout history, throughout cultures, which I thought was really interesting because when I heard of like divination and scrying and things like that, I assumed it was tied to paganism or Wiccan or witchcraft. Right. And those kind of themes. But as early as the 10th century, Persian texts included stories of people scrying. Interesting. And they were trying to observe, quote, all seven layers of the universe, which sounds very exciting. It does. Why don't we do that anymore? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I think we're so focused on like science, capitalism. Yeah. (laughs) Both. (laughs) But like Native Americans would scry using smoke. Egyptian would use oil, the reflection in oil. They would also use water. And then they had like rudimentary mirror type things like reflective metal surfaces. In ancient Greece, in the temple, they would look in reflective surfaces. And if they looked old and sick, that meant they were going to die. But if they looked young, that meant they were going to recover. Oh, so they wouldn't look at themselves right when they woke up, I hope. I guess not. I'm like, that feels awfully subjective. And like, look, once I hit 30, looking in the mirror, I often have thought, you're looking old. Like, not old, old, but like... Not old and sick. I'm I'm certainly not 25. Anywho, so even Nostradamus, he was said to use a bowl of water to predict the future, which I had never heard of. In Middle Eastern countries, they would use polished thumbnails. In the 19th century, there's a medical psychologist named Dr. Morton Prince, and he would use light bulbs, which is like a really interesting mix of like modern technology with like a more magical way of thinking. Well, people are still using light bulbs in a sense to communicate with ghosts, right? With the flashlights. That's true. That's true. 
And so even queens had people who were scrying that were like part of their advisors. For example, Queen Elizabeth I. Yes. She had someone who was called the last royal magician and his name was Dr. John Dee. And so he was also an alchemist, a mathematician, and an astronomer. Did a lot. He was busy learning things. And he was thought to be like one of the most brilliant people of his time. And he was crying. And like, could you imagine now if somebody was like, oh, I am a brilliant physicist, chemist, I don't know, other type of scientist. I'm not a scientist. And he was scrying. We would not put those two together. Like they would lose respect, I think. Right. If this person of science was also using scrying. So I love that it was like, I don't know, it wasn't such a bad thing. Well, and when you think of, I don't want to say nowadays, but something that a lot of people have heard of now is Sarah Winchester, right? She would also have someone come in and tell her what to do next, how to avoid getting killed by the ghosts. Yeah. And also, interestingly, one of the things that I read was that when you're scrying, you're looking at this reflective surface, you're seeing an image, you're interpreting that image. It's generally not like you say, what are the lottery numbers? And then numbers appear, right? It's something like more loosey-goosey. But so because of this, most scryers have their own unique way of interpreting what they see. Yeah. And if you think about it, too, when you said if they appear old and sick... Right. Someone might look at themselves and be like, I look terrible. And then another person would be like, you look like that all the time. It's fine. It's not bad. But also like imagine. OK, we're not talking mirrors today. We're talking of reflection, right? Not a mirror. What if you have bad vision? Yeah. Yeah, you have bad vision. But also think about if you're using oil. I look great without my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're using oil or water, too, it's not going to be a solid reflection. It's going to have a little bit of variation to it. So you're not truly looking at yourself how you actually look. Yeah, it's also a different angle than you would normally look. But I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, take off your glasses. I'm a brand new bitch. <laughs> yeah, she's all right. I don't know. I couldn't pick myself out of a lineup without my glasses. So subjective. Okay, and we did talk about this in our Halloween episode, but in Edwardian Britain, women would look at visions of their future husbands using a mirror. So there was like a little ritual where they could see who they would marry. And if they saw him, then yeah, they're going to marry that person. But if they saw something weird or like a grim specter, then it meant that they were going to die before they got the chance to get married. I also saw a wrinkle where you had to be eating an apple while you looked in the mirror. And that feels like the apple industry just trying to get people to eat apples, you know? <laughs> like, it's just such a specific... <laughs> You want to see your husband? You better buy those apples. That was the commercial at the time. Look, yeah, I mean, do you want me to pitch it to you? Do you want to know what it would sound like? Little miss, do you want to die alone and be useless? No. Eat a fucking apple and look in the mirror. See a, a grim reaper? You're going to die. See a man? You'll marry. <laughs> it's a very aggressive ad. It's a, it's fear advertisement. We've had other types of advertisement, like when I did that Shark Tank pitch. Yeah. I don't remember what it was for. But you no, know, this is a very brass tax. It's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Scary. Yeah. This is a history podcast, right? Eat a fucking apple. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> so the best time to scry, too, has said to be during Samhain because the veil is at its thinnest. And we've talked about that as well in our Halloween episode. I've also heard like Ouija, too, is more effective then for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. And that's where also the bat bonfire came from. Just saying. Woo! Yeah, that is true. That is. Because they'd only see the bats with their bonfire. <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of superstition surrounding mirrors as well. And I'm sure everyone's heard of these ones, right? So there's a lot of bad luck surrounded with broken mirrors. Mm -hmm. And so if you break a mirror, you're going to have bad luck for X amount of time. It's always different for that, too. Others believe that when a mirror is broken, the soul is broken, which is all right. That's a little different. Ancient Roman belief said that the soul took seven years to renew itself. So that might be where a lot of it is. Seven years. I heard the term seven years, but I've also heard longer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've heard seven and I've also heard 13, which are just like the two numbers I feel like I often hear with superstition. That's true. That's true. Oliver was seven pounds, 13 ounces, just saying. A perfect spooky baby. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> the only way to overcome the seven years of bad luck was to bury the broken mirror pieces very deeply. I also saw that you had to do it in moonlight as well. Yeah. Interesting. I haven't heard that. I heard that you had to get every piece, though, or you had to destroy every piece. So like if there was one little shard left, your bad luck would stay. You're fucked. You're fucked. Yeah. You're fucked. 
This is an F-bomb heavy episode and I'm okay about it. (laughs) So there's a lot of different things that say you must cover a mirror when someone dies too. So there's one, if a loved one died in a car accident or had like unreturned love when they died, then you would cover your mirrors because they might look for someone to possess to finish their unfinished business. I don't know why it had to be a car accident, though. That's weird. Also, like, I would think that I wouldn't want to possess somebody who I knew. Right? Right? Well, then they knew them, though. They could act like them if they needed to get away with it. Yeah, but like, okay, let's just go for a few things. First off, if the person doesn't love you back in life... They're not going to love you back in death. So is the thought that you'll like go into the body of the person that they actually do love? Because that's messed up. And then the other thing is like when I was reading this too, I saw like other unfinished business and I was like, I'm going to need more details. Like I'm absolutely going to need like what type of unfinished business is going to require you to possess the body of someone you love or search history. When you're right, you're right, Amanda. I was thinking more like a hidden safe deposit box key that nobody else will find. And so they're going to like possess their grandchild to be like, put it on the dresser where your mom sleeps. And then that way they can find it and get the rubies and emeralds. Literally. You're thinking like a movie. That's no movie I've ever seen, but I would watch it. (laughs) Okay, so industry. (laughs) You know, all the industry listening to us. Here's the movie we want next. Safety deposit box with like the ugliest earrings in it. Grandma possesses grandchild to make family wealthy. Wills don't exist. Oh, yeah. They're like hideous. It's like raw rubies and raw emeralds. And they're in just like maybe it's in a scepter. It's getting better. It's getting better. And the scepter fits into a lock in the floor that when you open it, it takes you to a secret place in the house. (laughs) Are we doing this? Are we writing the movie right now? Fuck the rest of this episode. We need to know what happens. What's down there? Well, you'll never know. Anywho, let's go back to this. I was more thinking of Halloween Town or something, but sure. Oh, I do like Halloween Town. I do want to live in Halloween Town. There is a Halloween Town, by the way. I'm sorry. Like a real one? Yeah. Is there a skeleton bus driver? Because if there's not, I don't want it. Sounds like a dream. (laughs) Okay, so back to our mirror discussion. When we were talking about covering mirrors when someone dies, right? This actually goes back to our Velisca episode, right? Remember, when they were found dead, all their mirrors were covered. Well, this might be the reason. So when someone dies, a lot of the time, the household will cover their mirrors to prevent the soul from getting trapped in the mirror. Or I've read in some theories like in the house. So back then, too, because there wasn't the same like services available today, like funeral homes, morticians, all of that fun stuff, the family of the deceased would have to care for the body before burial. So that would include like they had to get the body ready to be buried and they'd have to sometimes place it in the coffin. They'd have to do everything that, you know, in today's world would be done somewhere else. That could take days. So they'd be living in their house with this dead body. So in the meantime, they'd have to cover the mirrors to ensure that the soul did not get trapped. I wonder how that played out when the belief of revenants was a popularly held belief. There's like the state of terror people were living in, just like thinking like this person could come back to life. That's why everyone was so stressed out. They were probably very stressed. But I thought that was an interesting thing that they believed that it could get caught in the mirror. And let's take it back again to Black Forest, where they had that like haunted mirror. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. The haunted mirror was near the rainbow vortex, though. It was. But what if they got stuck in the mirror? That's why they're getting the pictures inside the mirror. What if the vortex was just feeding ghosts into the mirror? Just pure placement. Like they just need to move it someplace else in the room. Just move the fucking mirror, my dude. You're sentencing souls to mirror prison. I don't know. They need that vortex bouncer more than ever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's bring this back. We're talking about Bloody Mary. So we talked about how you do it, why mirrors are so intrinsic and part of it, and why it makes sense that this would be a part of this ritual. So let's talk about what happens if you get all the variables right. This is the most comprehensive list that we could put together from multiple sources. And I'm just going to start off at the top that it really does range. I think that we start with the most mild and then we go to the worst. 
Yeah. Look, I'm just going to say it again. Why? You know when you hear like a medication commercial and they're like, do you have dry eyes? And you're like, yeah, I have dry eyes. And they're like, take these drops. But it could cause anal swelling, speaking in tongues, bleeding from your eyes, growing roots from your face, losing all of your teeth, hemorrhages from your skin, and all of these things. And you're like, but my eyes are dry. There's no reason why you should have any of these side effects. That's what comes to mind in your head. Yep. You'll understand why in a moment. Yes, please. But so let's talk about what the ritual results might be. So Bloody Mary could just appear in the mirror covered in blood, dripping blood. Of course. She could appear covered in blood, but holding a baby, a dead baby. Yeah. She could appear as her bloody self and then threaten to go after you and your children, born or unborn. Sure. She'd come through the mirror and scratch your face and or your eyes out. Yeah. She could come through the mirror and drag the ritual participant through the mirror with her. Unfortunate. Yeah. So your reflection in the mirror could appear bloody or you could look at yourself and see yourself covered in blood. She might follow you home and haunt you. The participant may be driven mad. After the candle has been blown out, she might appear then like a like a oh, no, it's done. No, she's here in the smoke. Yeah. The ritual participant could vanish forever forever into a different realm i believe yeah their hair could turn white or you could simply be decapitated do you want to see bloody mary you might if you do some weird stuff in a bathroom Please note, side effects may include seeing Bloody Mary appear covered in blood, possibly with a baby, possibly not alive, Bloody Mary threatening your children or future children, Bloody Mary scratching your face or your eyes out, or just dragging you through the mirror, your reflection appearing blood-soaked, Bloody Mary following you home, being driven mad, your hair going white, or you full-on fucking vanishing. In rare cases, decapitation may also occur. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So there's also regional variants and we talk about variants, but they're like, it's not like they're the same thing, but people, when they consider Bloody Mary, they sometimes consider these different spooky characters, legends as a regional version of this. So rather than doing Bloody Mary or hearing about Bloody Mary, this culture or region has this other thing. And some of them are so random. I'm like, how is that? that yes some of them i'm like okay i could see it sure when we get to the toilet one i was like okay okay very specific (laughs) a very specific hairstyle too okay no beef no beef all right so the first one i've seen the movies i've read a lot about her it's la llorona and she's known as the weeping woman or the whaler and she's really well known in latin american communities and some say the story could be at least 500 years old there's a lot of variations even within this one story, right? Some believe it's Maria who was beautiful in vain and she married a handsome rancher and the pair had two children. Her husband starts to ignore her while he's at home but gives the kids a lot of attention. And then Maria and her children then were walking near a river and she spotted her husband with one of the other women who was a rich woman. And out of anger, she threw her kids into the river. Once they go under, she quickly regrets what she had just done. And she runs along the bank with her arms out trying to get them back. So the river's flowing. She's running after the kids that are now drowning. Then she drowns herself. Or some theories say that she dies of grief. Hmm. She's buried the next morning in a white burial dress. Again, bringing up that white shroud again, right? Mm -hmm. The following night, the villagers hear Maria crying, wailing, where are my children? A figure in a long white dress is seen on the riverbank. So like walking up and down it. Mm -hmm. And she's been seen near many different bodies of water. So whether it be a river, a lake, the ocean, she's seen everywhere. So if anyone sees like an odd ghostly apparition in white, this is normally who they think of. I've also heard of the variation of just like the woman in white. Yeah. It's what I think we call in the States. And some people are like, no, that's the same story. Yeah. Another variation of the story is that she drowns her children because she wants to be with a different guy. So not her husband, but a different man. And when he rejects her, she drowns herself, which I don't know why she'd have to drown her children to do that. But sure. Some people think that in order to be with the person who they love, they have to kill their children. Huh. That might sound a little familiar. It does sound familiar. Oh, so sad. Oh, it hurts. Yeah, it's just awful. That's sad to think about that that thought process is something that is real. Yeah. Yeah. 
So when she reaches what's said to be maybe heaven, right, the gates, she's turned away because her kids aren't with her. So she's stuck on Earth to search for her kids before she could cross the gates. Both very sad stories. Yeah. So the story evolved to be a threat to others as well. So she would start kidnapping kids that looked like her children or who disobeyed their parents, which sounds a little bit like our Christmas stories. Yeah, it does. It does. Mm -hmm. Those who hear the wailing are doomed to death. Terrifying. The pranks that people would probably play on their children. Yeah. What I also thought was interesting is that there are lots of interpretations of the story. Per Domino Rene Perez, who wrote There Was a Woman, La Llorona, from Folklore to Pop Culture, they analyze the La Llorona folklore and they say that the common thread in all of the stories is grief. And they talk about like the, the theme of the story is loss and how she responds to it. And so they also said other times the morning lady is thought of as an Aztec goddess whose weeping was an omen that predicted the Spanish arrival and the ensuing slaughter of indigenous groups and a grieved deity who comes to weep to this day, which is a very different interpretation of this story. Yeah, it's it's still a weeping woman who's like, if you're thinking of a deity and people as her children, she's still crying over her children, but it's not based on love, right? Like romantic love mm -hmm. and her being vengeful, right? It's, it's much different. So I thought that was very interesting. He also calls the legend timeless because for a few different reasons, but they also say, quote, dating back to pre-conquest, important foretelling. For some, the fall of the Aztec Empire and extending into the present where thousands of women are being separated from their children at the border, La Llorona remains relevant. As long as she does, her story will continue to be told. So when you're thinking of a woman losing her children, it's not just to the water. Right. Sometimes it's to a new life or like injustice. And so it can be kind of repurposed for today. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting because it's kind of for me, it's hard to find empathy for someone who kills their children. Yeah. Fair. Right. But someone who's sad for the loss of their children, I feel like is a little bit different, different to connect with. But in Latinx communities, La, La Llorona is sometimes a cautionary tale to kids like you better be good or La Llorona. Mm -hmm. it, this sounds exactly, though, just like all the Christmas monsters that evolved into Santa Claus. Yeah, it really, really does. And there was a really excellent podcast that we listened to that talked about La Llorona. If you want to hear a little bit more about her, the podcast is called Monstras. It's a podcast about Latinx monsters and folklore and the connection to Latinx communities. And I think they have a really, really great episode on La Llorona. And it starts out with like a fictional story. Mm -hmm. So it has like a nice creepy vibe to start. And they also talk about other variants that I didn't read about anywhere else. So the other variants that they talk about were one, that La Llorona didn't marry the person who she had children with, and that the man leaves her for a woman who's his like socioeconomic equal. So she's scorned in a different way. And then also where her children die accidentally. And they also talk about different themes too, like, you know, whether she's being punished for having children out of wedlock not just having her children having died. So definitely a very interesting episode. I think it was actually their first episode too, and it's like amazingly well done. Yay. But it's called Monstrous, and we'll have it on our sources list as always. All right, so what we're going through, which probably sounds really off topic now because La Llorona, I never would have thought Bloody Mary. Right? But many sources do say when they're listing out who could it be, they list La Llorona. Which is very weird. I don't think of her bloody, though, because I always think of that, the drowning story that goes with her, right? Mm -hmm. Again, we just talked about some variations. There's more. But not one of them that I've ever read has anything to do with blood. Yeah. Well, some of the people who they think they are have to do with blood, which makes more sense. Mm -hmm. But we'll get to the end where we talk about, like, who do we think Bloody Mary is? Because I think it's interesting. Yeah. So another possibility is the Bell Witch. The Bell Witch. This story happens in Robertson County, Tennessee, and it's in 1804. The Bell family moved into their 320-acre farm. That's huge. That's like a town, I feels like. Yeah. And it's along the Red River. In 1817, the family begins seeing odd animals on the farm. I want to know what that means. I think of uh, <laughs> when you were talking about this, what was it? The square black bag. <laughs> oh, from Vans Hardware? Yeah. I was thinking about when you were talking about octonauts and you were talking about vegemals. 
We have really important conversations before we start recording. Today's conversation was octonauts. Truly. It was. Are you picturing that just wandering along a farm now? Did I show you what a vegetable looks like? Yeah, she didn't tell me what a vegetable looked like. Vegemal. I'm thinking like a, a broccoli camel. What? Oh my, okay, okay. They're mermaid animals. Is that a beet? No, they're turnips. Okay, let's say some things. They're not vegemals. They're vegemaids because they're mermaids. Those are mermaid tails. Th- those are turnips, clearly. They're cute, okay? They're No, they're very cute. I don't think that's what they were seeing. <laughs> I think it was more the, it was a square bag. What was it? From our Georgia Guidestone episode, we talked about Van Smith and we talked about Van Smith's hardware, his website, where he talks about all sorts of things. And he talked about, he and his wife saw... A black square. They both describe it very different. Like a black square that's like fluffy, like moving across the road. And I remember Googling black fluffy square and surprise, surprise, pillows came up. (laughs) I I think I called it a bag, but whatever. Okay. But they're seeing these weird creatures on their farm, which is unsettling. But also it's 320 acres. They're going to see some shit. They were hearing knocking on the doors and on the house's outer walls. They also heard sounds inside the house. Yep. So they heard things from rats gnawing on bedposts, which it wouldn't be uncommon for that time having rats in the house. Yeah, but that's a very specific sound. Like it sounds like rats gnawing on a bedpost, not like squirrels, not like a beaver, rats. Well, it's more common to have the rats, not the beavers in their house. Beavers chew on wood. But do they come in your house? Is that a thing? There is one on TikTok. Oh my gosh. Where someone has a domesticated beaver. Okay, but I don't think they had a domesticated beaver in their 1817 farmhouse. Why not? Sure. (laughs) Maybe that's the weird animal they were seeing. Maybe it was beavers. (laughs) The bell witch and her beaver. (laughs) She's crying. We're completely sober. (laughs) You are. (laughs) Oh, saucy over there. So they also heard dragging chains, which again, didn't Black Forest, they heard chains as well. Yes, they did. They heard rocks dropping on the wooden floors. Another specific thing. It was not marbles. It was rocks. Rocks. They heard gulping and choking. Look, maybe somebody was a freak. You know what I mean? Like the parents are like having a very intense moment together when two people love each other. You know what I'm saying? And they're like probably a ghost, but like they're into some stuff. And and they were like, oh, it could be a ghost to their kids because they don't want them to be scarred. This is what the conversation about the bell witch came to, by the way. Maybe the Bells enjoyed some things. I'm just saying. I'm not shaming them. Live your truth. Belly babes. Anywho. 1817. What? You can be into like all types of sex stuff in 1817. 1817 <laughs> What is wrong with me is a very good question. This episode makes no sense. Yes, it does. Bloody Mary. Okay, look. Sexually sadistic beavers were actually the Bell Witch, and people think that the Bell Witch is a regional version of Bloody Mary. It all makes sense. We're within like three degrees. It's safe. It's safe. Sure. So for a year, the family's like, let's just like see if this stops. After a year, the father, John Bell, he talks to their neighbor, James Johnson, which like if your neighbor is 320 acres from you, are they your neighbor? Anywho, James is like, I'll come over. We'll have a slumber party. We'll see if we encounter it. They still encounter all of the sounds. Do you ever invite your neighbors over to hear Marge? See, no, because my neighbors were friends with Marge, and that would be very rude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, do you guys want to hang out with Marge again? Because he totally could. Man, woof. I try not to mention the haunting to my neighbors because I think that they would think I was crazy. But also, like, I'm sure that they're sad at her passing. I don't know. Anywho, so 
James and his wife come over their slumber party and they hear all this stuff. So they're like, we should form a committee to investigate. Clearly, I'd be on that committee. Yeah, absolutely. What if my neighbors was like, I've got something weird happening on my house. Who wants to be on this committee? I would absolutely raise my hand. I would. I want to be on your neighborhood ghost watch. Next HOA meeting, that's what I'm going to bring up is can we start... <laughs> a committee to investigate the hauntings of our new builds. Who's got who's got haunteds? Anyone? Anyone? You got chairs? Do you bring dolls in? Are you letting your husband bring in haunted dolls? That's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. That's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. They already think I'm weird. It's fine. What could go wrong? Okay. I can be in charge of a committee. A ghost committee. Your resume will be beautiful. Okay. So folks start to hear about the committee and they're excited about like what's going on at the Bell Farm. And so people start to come to the farm to like witness what's happening. And so the presence gets stronger and then it has a voice and they ask who it is and what it is. And it gives different names, which gives me Zozo vibes, by the way. And at one point, it said it was a witch of their neighbor, Katie Batts. Some say that she and Belle had an argument and that that's what this is all stemmed to. Kate Batts? Yeah. Again, did I say Katie? Yeah. Kate. Kate Batts. That obviously sounds like the name of a very strong beaver. <laughs> Kate Batts. I just like her name. That, we're going to add that to the last name list. Yeah. But so people begin to call her Kate, which feels like that's just like a very chill name for a ghost, but also Bell's Witch, like apostrophe S Witch. Mm-hmm. And it eventually becomes Bell Witch. Yes. But so people are like, why are you here? And she's like, very simple. I'm here to kill John Bell and to keep the youngest daughter, Betsy Bell, from marrying the neighbor, Joshua Gardner. Yeah, Joshua Gardner sounds like a tool. In the next three years, they continue to be tormented by Kate the ghost and or the Bell Witch. And it's just John and Betsy at this point. Everybody's hearing stuff. But the, Betsy and John get abused. So Betsy has her hair pulled. She's pinched. She's scratched. She's stuck with pins and she's beaten. Oh. John has bouts of what they describe as swelling of the throat. He starts to have a, a feeling in his throat as though there is a stick sideways. Weird. He starts twitching and like jerking in his facial muscles. She would blast like threats and curses at him. And he started getting weaker and weaker. Does this not sound like Black Forest, though? Not all of them, but some of them. Some of this really sounds like Black Forest to me, especially like when you talk about the intensity and like the fact that it keeps happening over and over and over again. And she's getting more and more popular. She's drawing bigger crowds. People are talking to her about the Bible, the past, the future. She can be in multiple places at one time. This sounds like Nellie, America's first ghost story as well. It does. Yeah. Where she's like, come see me. And we well, talk in this. What was it? A barn? She was talking in a basement and she talked about the Bible and was like very like, this is what will be. Mm-hmm. So December 20th of 1820, John Bell dies. And Katie's like, uh, yeah, that was me. That following March, Betsy's like, OK, enough. Breaks off her engagement with her neighbor. Kate's like, well, my work here is done. I'll see you in seven years. Right. Leaves. In 1828, she does return. And she goes to the home of John Bell Jr. And she talks to him about the past and the present. And she says that there was a reason that John Bell had to die, but she doesn't really explain. And he didn't ask. Which I'm like, yeah, I'm like, can I get some deets on this, please? Like, I need more information. And then she's like, I'll be back in 107 years, which would be 1935. But a lot of people think that she never left because weird stuff kept happening. And on this, like, massive sprawling property, there was a cave. And people called that cave the Bell Witch Cave. And you can tour the cabin and the cave for more $18. Yes. Amanda, do you know what is based on the Bell Witch? Is it the Blair Witch? Yes, it is. <laughs> I knew that. Yeah. Which, like, one of our first episodes, we were like, maybe we'll do the Blair Witch. And from being from Maryland, I should know this. But, like, this is what it's based off of. And they did this incredible internet campaign to make, like, fake-looking documents so that it looked real at the time. Mm-hmm. But based on the Bell Witch, which people are apparently thinking this is also Bloody Mary, which I don't really see it. It doesn't really make sense to me. But it's an interesting story. And it's interesting that when people go into the bathroom and they're repeating repeating the name three times it's the bell witch that they're saying there yeah not bloody mary interesting very interesting so another variant of bloody mary comes from japan and it's called hanako-san and it means hanako of the toilet very specific 
no idea what. So again, it's the Japanese equivalent of Bloody Mary. And what they see it as is like a World War II era girl. Mm -hmm. And she haunts school bathrooms, which I have heard of school bathrooms being haunted. That's because they're creepy. They are creepy. The high school I went to, when you look up ghost stories in Arizona and you look in that specific area, it does say that the bathroom at my high school is haunted. It's on lists of hauntings. That's so specific. It's so random. Yeah, but I've seen it on many, many lists, which is just very weird. Anyways, so this one haunts school bathrooms. If you want to scare your kid into staying into class, tell them about this. If someone goes into the third stall in the third floor bathroom and knocks three times and you ask, are you there, Hanako-san? She will then answer, I'm here. If you go into the stall, not just knock on the third stall, there will be a girl with a bob and a red skirt, which would scare anyone. It's a very specific haircut. Some say she has a bloody hand and then will reach under the door after she summoned. Weird. Don't like that. No, don't like that. In some literations, a three-headed lizard <laughs> will eat the summoner if they go into the stall. I like that one more. I want Bloody Mary to be a three-headed lizard. Case closed. This is it. Fine with it. Or maybe the bell witch is a three-headed beaver. Yep. It all comes back to beavers. That's the quote. <laughs> it all comes back to beavers. So another Japanese variant is Kuchisaka Ana. She's also known as the Ripped Mouth Woman. I've heard of this one. Very creepy. She said to be a beautiful woman who died. Some say it was messed up plastic surgery, which we don't hear many modern ghost stories. So I like a new twist, right? Yeah. So she has a veil that covers her mouth and she'll ask you if she's beautiful. Then, regardless of what you say back, she'll pull down her veil and she'll show her mouth, which is cut from ear to ear. And then she'll kill you, whether you say she's pretty or not, which creepy creepy and also in a world where we're all wearing masks like if someone's like am i beautiful i would be like yes you are ma'am and then she would show me her very large mouth now and kill me that would be another good movie for the times industry yes i think that oh look the math the mask version yeah the mask version yeah yeah but that sounds like an americanized version of an asian horror movie and we just really fuck those up you know what i mean like the grudge oh grudge yeah that one was messed up not great not great well so when we talk about regional variants some say that that's who bloody mary is altogether and in some places that's just the version that they talk about rather than having bloody mary so there's also some specific theories on who bloody mary was some say she was just a woman who was disfigured in a an accident it's not any like specific widely known person some talk about her being just like an anonymous witch from the salem witch trials who's angry yeah i've seen certain ones too where they pinpoint it on one but it's pretty much the exact same story she was killed in the salem witch trial she's mad about it now she's going after young girls in bathrooms yeah there's also two different royals the first is queen mary the first she was queen during the tudor period she was responsible for the burning of over 280 protestants at the stake and she was coined bloody mary which it's interesting that they would call her like and it's because even for like at a time when there was intense punishment, this was particularly gruesome. Yes. And it was all because of religion. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. She was Catholic. She wanted people to renounce Protestantism. They wouldn't. So she would burn them. Sometimes they would renounce it and she would still burn them mm -hmm. like she did with the archbishop who annulled her parents' marriage. Right. And oh, one other point is she also suffered. I I've heard a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. But she suffered miscarriages or she had phantom pregnancies. Yeah, I heard both. Yeah. And there was one point where they really thought she was pregnant and then she didn't give birth. And they're like, well, maybe we miscalculated. Maybe she's not due yet. And then she just never gave birth. And they're like, mm -hmm. there was never a baby. And so that might be why some people have that variation of I stole your baby. And that's why she's mad about it. Yeah. So when we're like, it sounds really weird, but this is who they think it is when they're saying the baby stuff. Yeah. So there's also Mary, Queen of Scots. And so she had a really sad life overall. Her first husband stabbed her Catholic secretary 56 times in front of her while she herself was pregnant. Later, that same husband dies. Not that sad. Then the person who she marries next is the suspected as killing her first husband. But it's not really a consensual marriage. He abducts her. And so after he's caught and tried for treason, surprise, surprise. She then has to abdicate the throne, give it to her son. And then she goes to Queen Elizabeth, who is 
Queen Mary the First's half-sister and is like, please give me sanctuary. But because Mary, Queen of Scots, has a legitimate claim to the throne and she's Catholic, Queen Elizabeth imprisons her for 18 years. Eventually, Mary, Queen of Scots, is executed because she tries to plan a coup. They try to behead her. And when they do, the executioner doesn't hit her neck right. And so he's hitting her neck over and over, just basically like sawing through her head. Think the arm from our Anne Hill Kids episode. That's what I'm envisioning here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also why people say that they might get beheaded then when they do the ritual, right? Yes. And also just like another gruesome note. So the executioner like holds up her head afterwards. And then her head falls because she was wearing a red wig. And it's like, (sighs) poor girl, like a gross spectacle. So like two very bloody royals for different reasons. Mm -hmm. But I do I think it's either one of those? Not really. No, but it's interesting that one was actually called Bloody Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Which also like, was she? I don't know. Who knows? Another one is Mary Worth. So she abducted young girls and then she harnessed their youth to maintain her beauty, which is another running story, right? With a bunch of women. Mm -hmm. Around the Civil War time, folks realized that she was a witch and they burned her at the stake. Some think that she was burned on her own land and that her land was then haunted. Mary's spirit was absorbed into her mirror. Interesting. Yeah. And so one of the variations of Bloody Mary, the game, instead of saying Bloody Mary, you would say, I believe in Mary Worth three times. Yeah. And what's interesting, we're talking about abducting I'm going to infer it, killing young women to maintain beauty. Yeah. Another one of the theories, I'm just going to skip ahead for a second, Mm -hmm. is Elizabeth Bathory because she, quote unquote, bathed in blood or clothed in red. Listen to the episode, you'll love it. And they say that maybe she was Bloody Mary, but I hate this theory. Like, it's a stupid theory. Her name's not Mary. It doesn't make any sense. It's not a, like, from what I understand, it's not a regional variant. It's, they're just like, she is blood. (laughs) People say that she liked blood. That means Bloody Mary. That's like the only connection. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's a very like tenuous connection. Some of the ones you talked about were like, you know, look regionally different, but they it's just because people think that they're kind of like the same ish thing. Yeah. But she's an actual person that existed. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And then last Mary on the list is Mary Worthington. And she was beautiful, but vain. And an accident disfigured her. She killed herself because she couldn't handle losing her beauty. And I've I've heard this story in different variations, too, of someone getting disfigured and then losing their mind, killing others or killing themselves. So I think this is one of those other ones that you see a lot of this story, but in different ways. I'm not saying that it's impossible that a woman would be angry and or XYZ about losing her beauty. But I think it's a really one dimensional viewpoint of women to be like, I'm not pretty. Therefore, like, it's not something that I feel like most women can identify with, like, I don't have my beauty, therefore I'm gonna haunt people. Like that doesn't it doesn't make sense. It sounds like something like someone wrote about a woman who wasn't very familiar with the experience of a woman. Doesn't a lot of things. <laughs> Man, boy is it true. Moving forward, those are the regional variants and the Mm-hmm. possibilities on who people think Mary is. Do you think any of those people or other regional variants are Bloody Mary? Like, do any of them match the lore to you? The only one that I think kind of makes sense where it's it feeds off of the young girls is the Mary Worth one. Agreed. Like, why else would it be only children doing it? Mainly little girls doing it. Like, have you ever heard of young men going, I'm going to go play Bloody Mary? Like, that's not, that's not in the movies. That's not... I don't think that means it doesn't happen. I think they still do it. Yeah, it's just not widely known you know like it's not when you think of bloody mary in your head the first picture is a little girl right yeah yeah i think there's a reason for that and i think yeah mary worth would make the most sense because only because she has more of the commonalities between that and the ritual than any of the others yeah for me i don't think it's any of these marys i don't think it's any of them because there isn't that's i think that's kind of like the beauty of the simplicity of it is that there's not a lot of details it's just bloody mary it's the ghost in the mirror and I never heard a backstory as a kid. Do you remember hearing a backstory? Not at all. No. We always just thought a ghost would come. We didn't even know what it would look like or what it would do. Yeah. So we're trying to like move backwards and try to like figure out who that Mary was. That's why I don't think there is necessarily one that we could pinpoint now with the records that we have. 
because yeah well there was articles written on who is bloody mary and where did this come from Mm -hmm. and they're like it could be this it could be this there isn't one that actually says this is the first told story of bloody mary yeah and that's because it was passed down orally but so we're gonna move on to why do people play it and what actually might be happening so why do we play it when a child is aged nine to twelve they're labeled the robinson age by psychologists. So from one of the articles that discusses the Robinson age, it quote says that children need to satisfy their craving for excitement by participating in ritual games and playing in the dark. They're constantly looking for a safe way to extract pleasure and release anxiety and fears, which I'm like, that is very stressful. That is a lot of anxiety thinking that some scary bloody thing is going to come and attack you. But sure, that's why they do it. I mean, but that being said, though, it's in the same vein. It's like, why do we like true crime? We like to choose when we're going to be scared. That's true. And horror movies. Well, yeah, yeah, because they are also in control of it, right? They're the ones saying it. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. It's just like when they say that it's to release anxiety and fears. I'm like, that is terrifying. If you really think that, that could happen. <laughs> also, I wasn't like been a rough day. Let me just go summon <laughs> Bloody Mary. It's like the equivalent of a child version of like chugging a beer. You know what I mean? It's been a rough day at middle school, which they're all rough days. Let me go summon a demon. Another theory is that generally, as humans, we like minimally counterintuitive stories. And so this is a theory from Pascal Boyer. And basically, it's that people tend to favor stories that are very probable but have like a little supernatural twist. So think Little Red Riding Hood, right? Everything's normal until you get to a wolf that dresses up like the grandmother and then she's inside of his stomach. So you have a bathroom. You likely have a mirror in there. You have a light switch. Candles exist. It doesn't get strange until you talk about what might happen. Yeah. And so because every detail's mundane until you get to that, it's just we like it. It's just like a thing we enjoy. I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. And so this is another one that I do not like. And it's from Alan Duns. And so he suggests that Bloody Mary is mostly girls, right? It's in a bathroom and that there's blood and that it's that tween age where they're doing it. So it's how women are like transforming themselves into womanhood with menstruation. Uh, Like, it makes me gag at the theory that there's some non-menstruating human that is like, blood in a bathroom with women, it could only be menstruation. It annoys me. Like, it really annoys me. In the same article where I read that, there was like immediately underneath of it, it was like, it was another folklorist that was like, it's not just girls who play this. In movies, they just show girls. I also think it's that girls are willing to be scared with one another. That's true. That's actually probably it right there. I think that like mentally. Mm -hmm. I think the reason that you hear more about this with little girls, especially from our generation, is that we were socialized that it was okay to be scared near one another, where I don't think little boys were socialized like that. So I think if they were doing something like this it was going to be one or two of them not like five also i mean i grew up with a brother who was two years older than me he had slumber parties with his friends they hung out in groups. Yeah, my little brother did. Yeah. So why is it when we think of slumber parties, you think of a little girl, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a slumber party game, really. It is. And I think because you think slumber party, you think girls. That's one of the reasons why people are just like, oh, this is just girls. That could be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you don't see that in the movies. You don't. You don't see little boy slumber parties. Yeah. So, of course, there are people that straight face say, I've seen something when I play Bloody Mary, right? I saw this. I saw a person. I saw blood. Whatever, right? There are people who believe, yep, something does happen. There is a ritual that works. Now, do you know anybody who did? I mean, there's people that are like, yeah, there was something that moved. I don't know. I never knew anybody who saw anything. They told me at least. Yeah, I don't know. But again, I'm not I'm not going to say they don't. There could be some weird variation that does work. I don't know. Yeah. But what could it be, right? So one of the things that could happen is called the Troxler effect. And so the idea with this is that when you stare at something for a long period of time, your brain will get used to the unchanging stimuli. Mm -hmm. And your neurons will start to cancel information out. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, actually, I have. And I think I saw it when I was researching things for the ghost episode. Did you see the colored square? No, not that part. Okay, so I want to do something with you real quick. Mm-hmm. as we're recording this. Okay, so I'm going to send you a picture. Okay. And I want you to focus on the black cross in the middle of the photo. And I want you to tell me if anything changes in the photo. Okay. 
And I'd open it so it's the main thing on your screen. Okay. Okay. So I look at the look at the middle. Okay. The center. Pause here. If you haven't finished, we're going to put this up too when the episode comes out. So if you want to do this too. So like the dots kind of fade, right? Is that what I'm supposed to see? Yeah. Yes. It'll turn gray. It'll turn the color of the background because it's unchanged stimuli. So the pink dots that exist on it, your, your brain's like, doesn't matter. We've seen these. Move on. And so it's just kind of like what your brain does to filter out unnecessary stimuli. It's the same thing with why can't you see your nose? It's there. Your brain just cancels it out because you don't need to see it, which I was like, oh, that's interesting. So the longer you stare at your face in the mirror, it'll start to look different because it's canceling out stimuli. So it might look like a blurred out face. It might look younger. The hair might look different. Like it might just seem different for that reason. Right. So another thing is pareidolia. And we talked about this in our ghost episode, but it's that people will tend to see faces and random images or objects. And an example of this is like when you look at the clouds, when you look at a wall and you see a face or think of all like the bread things lately (laughs) where people see faces and like their toast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's pareidolia and the the brain's picture of reality may sometimes include something that's not really there and yeah like i said we said this in our ghost episode i don't know if it's this and i also don't think that that accounts for every single ghost that's said to be seen it's also called inattentional blindness and sometimes you don't notice how or why something happened because you weren't paying attention like full attention to it so what that means and there there's a, a couple other little tests that you can do online for this part And it's if you're focusing on something. So let's say that you're focusing on that candle or you're only focusing on a piece of the mirror. When you're looking at it for too long, you may not know what's happening around you. And then you may misinterpret something that happened while you were staring at that one item. So I think in our ghost episode, we talked about like when you lose your remote, right? You're watching TV, someone comes up and grabs it and you don't even notice. That could be what people see when they play Bloody Mary as well. It's just they're paying attention to one thing. Something may happen around them and you miss sensory cues from the environment around you because you're staring at that one thing or you're thinking about that one thing or you're too busy doing one thing. But yeah, that's super common. It can account for a lot of different things that happen in your day-to-day life even. One of the ones that I think you brought up was like when you're driving and you don't remember the drive because you were thinking about what you were hearing on the radio or you were thinking about this, but clearly you were focusing on driving. You didn't die. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of different daily tasks that you do where this phenomenon actually happens to you. Another theory is it's called the strange face in the mirror phenomenon, nail on the head. And it's from Italian psychologist Giovanni Caputo. And so he did two experiments. The first was from 2010. So what the experiment was, 50 participants entered a dimly lit room and were told to look at their reflection in the mirror for 10 minutes. That sounds horrible. No. I've been terrible. I've never done that. And I don't ever want to. So after they did that, they reported what they saw. 66% of them saw, quote, huge deformities on their face. 48% of them saw, quote, fantastical and monstrous beings. That's how I view myself. <laughs> And others reported seeing the faces of deceased parents, animal faces, an old woman's face, a child's face. And interestingly, so, okay, let's pair this with a Troxler effect. Mm -hmm. You're staring at your face. And so features start to get canceled out because it's unchanging stimuli. Mm -hmm. So then it's distorted. So when your brain doesn't have a full picture, it fills in the blanks, right? From your past experiences and your expectations. And so you see things that you think you'll see. Yeah. So if you think you're going to see Bloody Mary, you just might see Bloody Mary. Right. And I want to know what you think she looks like. Do I ever. Look, we offered stickers. For sea monsters, I will also graciously offer beautiful, one-of-a-kind, holographic Furby stickers to anyone who sends us Bloody Mary art as well. Bloody Mary art or also Bloody Mary stories. Yes, please. Oh my gosh. If you've played Bloody Mary and you had something come up or if you simply didn't, just let us know. We want to know what your experience with Bloody Mary is or if you just really like the cocktail. Yeah, I can always get one sip in. Mm-mm, I can't do that. But. Okay, so Caputo's 2013 experiment. They were back at it again. This time, rather than staring into mirrors, people were staring into each other's eyes. Creepy. Right? And same kind of effect. Features started to get canceled out. You saw what you saw. Yeah. That's why I move around so much when we record so that my face doesn't get distorted to Amanda because I cannot sit still. <laughs> 
That's it. That's the reason. That is it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so strange. I, I never knew that there were so many variations of who Bloody Mary could be, let alone different regional variations of the story. Yeah, I always heard like Bloody Mary might scratch you or she would just appear. Mm -hmm. I never heard like your hair would turn white, you would disappear, you'd be decapitated. I did not hear all of that. If I had, I would have told my friends they were buffoons. Lovingly. <gasps> That's why I got white hair in middle school. That's it. That must be the reason. That is 100% the reason. You said you hadn't seen her, but... Maybe I did. The lie detector determined that was a lie. And that's why I have purple hair now. That's it. Yeah. Gotta hide those lies, baby. Gotta hide those lies. <laughs> yeah. Again, if you have Bloody Mary stories... We want them intensely. Also, if you know of another regional variant or you have a, another theory on who Bloody Mary is, I'm interested. We want to know. So yeah, our little housekeeping that we mentioned in the beginning, we have a merch store. So if you go to truecreeps.com, you can click the merch link. Mm -hmm. It's super cute. It's by T Public. If you go to truecreeps.com, click on merch. It'll take you right there. Yes. We've already ordered shirts and we love them. We have everything from ghost shirts to dump ghost shirts, which my fave. <laughs> Lindsay's famous quote of, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> Our quote together, I will say, because we both say it a little too much. A lot. I don't like it. And then, of course, our classic logo. Yeah. And all of that's available on a ton of different things. You can get t-shirts. You can get hoodies. You can get your kids t-shirts. Let them go to school sporting some ghosts. We have masks, notebooks, mugs, pillows. If you want a pillow of true creeps, pins, all kinds of fun stuff. So take a look. See if you like anything. I think they're fun. I've, I actually wore my true creeps tank top today. So much fun. Love it. Well, we'll see you next weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thank you for listening to True Creeps. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. <laughs>